Um, it's such a privilege to be uh, joining with you this morning and to be able to open uh, God's Word with you uh, as we explore a uh, pretty intense interaction between Jesus and Peter. Uh, but why don't you uh, join with me um, in prayer as we come before our God and hear uh, what he has to say to us this morning. Uh, dear Father, we uh, pray that as we uh, look at your Word together, as we uh, explore this interaction between Jesus and Peter, uh, we pray that you might reveal to us uh, that you're a God who loves us and uh, calls us and invites us uh, to respond to you in love. Help us to see you more clearly um, and to know you uh, more fully this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The question, do you love me, can be a relationship-defining question, depending on the context that it's asked and the response that it brings. It's a question when asked that can invoke numerous emotions for both the one asking the question and for the one responding to it. Do you love me? Might make you feel nervous or excited, hopeful or uncertain, sad or joyous, cautious or fearful, just to name a few emotions that it might bring. In two giddy teenagers early on in their relationship, do you love me? Yes. I love you too. It's an exciting and wondrous question which explodes new possibilities, hopes and dreams into reality. There is confidence brought to the relationship of being known and being loved, which is remarkable. Do you still love me? When it's whispered by a small child after getting in trouble, voice with a sense of hesitancy and doubt. This gives the, a parent an opportunity to offer comfort and assurance. Of course I still love you. The relationship is restored and the child experiences certainty of the unconditional love of the parent. Do you even love me? When you are 20 years into a marriage and every interaction feels like it's full of bitterness or resentment, is a question that is confrontational. It challenges your spouse to communicate whether they are still willing to participate in this relationship or not. And if the answer is no, then the impact of that question is devastating, revealing perhaps even the end of a marriage. Jesus, uh, in scripture, he loves to use questions to expose our beliefs, our longings, and our hearts towards him, um, those that he is engaging with. Uh, in this series, you're looking at uh, the questions, do you want to be made well? Do you love me? How are we going to feed everyone? And do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus' questions confound, rebuke, invite, and can even be a little bit cheeky. And I think this week's question uh, feels particularly confronting and exposing as Jesus asked Peter not once, not twice, but three times if Peter loves him. Imagine being Peter after Jesus is raised from the dead. I mean, apart from the fact that it is an earth-shattering reality, that Jesus rose again, and the joy of being reunited with his beloved friend and teacher. But what about that little niggling question of whether Jesus would bring up the fact 
that Peter had denied Jesus three times just days before the interaction that we were reading this morning. Now, Peter, he still acts like his normal self. I like to call him a little bit of an overzealous Labrador. He bounds into any situation with, uh, without thought um, of anyone else or anything else. Uh, just before uh, the part of the passage that we read this morning, Peter had been out fishing with the other disciples, and when he realized it was Jesus on the shore, he leapt out of the boat and he left the others behind to work hard to bring in their catch of fish. He just left them behind and swam to Jesus. Well, perhaps as this was the third encounter that Peter had had with Jesus, he was maybe lulled into a false sense of security that Jesus wouldn't mention that little mishap that he had in the courtyard of the high priest. I don't know about you, but I've, uh, if I've made a mistake, I much prefer if it was just never mentioned again. And I can pretend like it didn't really happen. Let's just move on quickly, sweep it under the rug, and dust our hands of it. It's a pretty tempting strategy, isn't it, of avoiding tricky conversations and facing the consequences of your actions. But Jesus, unfortunately for Peter, doesn't forget about Peter's denial. He instead confronts Peter. And just as Jesus often does, he doesn't confront Peter directly in a way that we might think he would. He doesn't say something like, hey Peter, do you regret denying me? Are you truly sorry? Or how could you deny me? I can't believe you still think it's okay to be following me. Jesus takes a different path and he confronts Peter's heart towards him. Love is powerful because it aligns our stories and intertwines our lives to the one who we have asserted that affection to. So in essence, this is the most fitting question of Peter, to ask Peter because loving Jesus is the basis of following and serving him. The first instance when Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, uh, Jesus adds this little phrase to the question, do you love me more than these? And the Greek here demonstrates that the these he's referring to are the other disciples present. Do you love me more than everyone else here? And in this, Jesus is alluding to Peter's claim in Matthew 26 that if everyone else abandoned Jesus, that Peter never would. He would, he would follow Jesus to the end. He clearly loved Jesus more than anyone. That was his claim. And in response, well, Peter, like normal, jumps straight in. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Of course, even more than all of these other disciples sitting here. Uh, you might feel like this is a bit of a bold response from Peter. Uh, maybe you, know, you need to show a little bit more humility uh, in this time of uh, being confronted by Jesus and take a moment before you jump in with your answer. I can imagine Jesus giving Peter a little side eye here or a quizzical look. Okay, Peter, if you say so. But Jesus, he doesn't dissect Peter's response. Instead, he instructs Peter to feed my lambs. Then he asks Peter again, do you love me? And once again, Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus replies, Peter, care for my sheep. Then Jesus asks a third time, do you 
loved me. Peter, uh, not surprisingly, becomes distressed at this point by the repetition. You know everything, Jesus. You know that I love you. This is an intense moment of interaction between Peter and Jesus. Imagine after the service this morning, uh, someone coming up to you before saying anything else asks you, do you love Jesus? And you reply, yeah, I love Jesus. And that person just walks away. Perhaps you'd be a little bit surprised by the interaction, but not really too concerned by it. But then imagine a second and a third person comes up to you and they do the same thing. Do you love Jesus? You say, yes, of course I love Jesus. And you think to yourself, did I do something wrong? Did I say something to make people think that I don't love Jesus? Maybe in that third response, you start to become defensive. Of course I love Jesus. How could you even ask that? Maybe you become bewildered by that question. Or maybe you even start to doubt if no one else thinks I love Jesus, or they keep asking me this question. Do I actually love him? Maybe you start to doubt the certainty of your answer. And I can imagine that this interaction in our passage between Peter and Jesus would feel even more confronting and soul-crushing. As this is God in the flesh, Asking me for all of Peter's friends, do you actually love him? I think if I was Peter, I'd just want to shrivel up and disappear, or might answer him through whispered tears. But Jesus, he doesn't continue the conversation the way that we might think. He just says again, feed my sheep. Why are we talking about lambs and sheep, Jesus? You just asked me three times. If I love you, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing, Jesus? And I think Jesus' interaction offers three things to Peter. He offers him restoration of relationship. He provides Peter with confidence in the relationship. And he commissions Peter in light of the relationship. Jesus' questioning of Peter three times provides Peter with ample opportunity for him to remain in his denial of who Jesus is. And, and really, it's giving Peter the permission to stay in that denial and to walk away from following Jesus. If Peter's answer to Jesus' question was, no, don't love you anymore, Jesus. It is just way too hard and way too scary to follow you. I'm out then Peter's story here would embark on a completely different trajectory, away from God rather than towards him. However, by Peter's repetition in declaring his love for Jesus and choosing not to walk away, Jesus brings about true restoration and reconciliation. Peter's denial of Jesus has not diminished Jesus' love for Peter nor Jesus' desire for a relationship to continue with Peter. And Peter's weakness and his failures of denying Jesus did not disqualify him from serving Jesus or being restored and reconciled to him. Peter can have confidence that through this interaction that he is the recipient of the love and grace of God. 
but it's not only Peter that can have this confidence. The restoration of Peter does not happen in private. This is a public conversation in front of disciples. They too can be certain that Peter has been restored to Jesus and that their own individual acts of abandoning Jesus in his time of need are not acts that inhibit their own restoration, their own reconciliation. Jesus then commissions Peter to provide for the needs of and care for the people of God in Jesus' absence. In the Old Testament, the leaders of God's people were known as shepherds, and in Jesus' resurrection and his coming ascension, Jesus here is inaugurating a new system of shepherding his people under him. Jesus is the good and ultimate shepherd, and he instructs Peter here particularly, but his followers more generally, to protect and uphold his people, to guide and care for them. Going forward as Peter's shepherd, sorry, going forward, uh, Peter as shepherd to God's people, uh, there can be no doubt to his allegiance to Christ. If we only had the story of Peter's denial and not this restoration, we might doubt that Peter was actually saved or whether or not he did actually truly love Jesus. This moment in John's gospel confirms Peter's apostolic position and his ministry that has an ongoing protective element due to Jesus' confidence in him, even in the midst of his failures. Peter's denial of Jesus is going to pale in comparison to his faithfulness that will take Peter down a path of greater sacrifice and suffering, a path that will lead him to his death. But as we listen to this passage this morning, as we think about this interaction between Peter and Jesus, it's important for us to think about what does this passage mean for us? How does it shape us and encourage us as we hear it? If Jesus was to come and ask you this question, do you love me? How would you respond to him? Perhaps at the moment you feel that you are early on in your faith journey and you want to love Jesus, but you're not sure what that looks like. And I want to encourage you that Jesus meets us wherever we are at in our faith and journey with him. He invites us and invites you to come to him and get to know him, to know his love and his grace. This passage this morning may focus on Peter's response to Jesus, but the basis of this interaction ultimately has little to do with Peter's own ability or our own ability to love Jesus or Peter's own ability to be faithful, or our ability to be faithful. No, this passage reminds us that our ability to respond to Jesus in love and faith is first and foremost based on the love that Jesus has poured out to us, that he extends his love and grace to us and invites us to call on his name and to be his children. And unlike Peter's affection and our affection for Jesus, which can falter or fail, where we can be unsure of who Jesus is, Jesus' love for us will never falter. It will never fail. Jesus will never deny us or forsake us. And he calls us into a love and grace that does not condemn us, but invites us to be restored and reconciled to him. And he gives us confidence in his love. And as being recipients of this love, 
that that love transforms us and enables our own loves to be able to be transformed, to respond wholeheartedly to Jesus. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, there might be some of us here that as we consider this question of do we love Jesus, if he asks us, do you love me, that you might be filled at the moment with a little bit of a sense of discomfort or fear or uncertainty. Perhaps early on in your faith journey, you were certain of your love for Jesus. But now you're not too sure. Maybe you are wrestling with the challenges of following Jesus and standing firm in your faith. Perhaps you feel a lot closer to where Jesus was, where Peter was, sorry, just a few chapters earlier, and you're considering denying Jesus or walking away from him altogether. Maybe the weight of this world and the brokenness and injustices that we see, not just in the broader community, but in the church as well, makes you question, is it really worth following Jesus? Is it really worth responding to him in love? And as we read this story, we can take heart and be reminded that even the most faithful Christians in history have had seasons of failure and doubt, even to the point of denying Jesus. But that is not where Peter's story ended, and it is not going to be the end of our story. I think it's reassuring that the level of confidence I have in my own response to Jesus, my wayward and doubting heart, does not diminish the love that Jesus has for me. Jesus is standing again and again with open arms, inviting us to experience his love and grace. And, to, and that love is steadfast and true from the moment that we first believed until now and will continue until we see him again. The love of Jesus transforms our story. It enables us to love him. Uh, for some of us this morning, uh, we, uh, when we hear this question, do you love me? We are delighted that we can confidently respond in an instant. Yes, Lord, of course, I love you. And there's something beautiful about that confidence. But it's also good to ensure that confidence does not turn to arrogance. That we don't judge those who are in seasons where they are unsure of their response to Jesus' love. And that we don't assume that moments of doubt or will never meet on our horizon. So let me to encourage you to be a person of humility as you come before our God. To be thankful that God has revealed his love and grace to you, and that is in this moment you are certain of your love for him. What a wonderful thing that is. And that I think in seasons where we have confidence in our love of God, that can be helpful to us in moments where we have seasons of doubt, where we have seasons of failure. Because the love of Jesus does not waver based on our own confidence, but is steadfast and true. As we are people who have received the love of God, we are a people who have received a love that heals, received a love that binds up, a love that restores, and a love that brings us reconciliation. This is a love that has been revealed to us most completely in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it shows us that God is willing to give us his very self in order to restore this frail and broken creation. To declare, yes, Lord, I love you, we are aligning our stories with Jesus' story, both individually and as a community. 
It aligns our hope and our future to the hope and future that Jesus has promised us. To be loved by and to love Jesus, our hearts and minds are transformed in little and big ways. Perhaps as individuals, we can be generous with our love of others that demonstrate the dignity and care to even the most vulnerable in our world. A dignity and care that only we can experience because we know that Jesus sees each of us as members of his body, as creations made in God's image. Perhaps another way that we can uh, live out this love is being confident that in a relationship that once saw only brokenness, only destruction, that there is hope of forgiveness, of renewed loving kindness in that relationship. Perhaps the deepest longings of our hearts to be known and loved are going to be filled in ways that we, never, we had never hoped or imagined. To love Jesus demonstrates that we are his and that his kingdom of love and grace has captivated all that we are. And as a community of people gathered who are all professing a love of Christ, then it means that the love of Christ has shaped the community and has been transformed by that love. It enables the community to share vulnerably without fear with one another because our identity is so grounded in the unwavering love of Christ and his grace means that we can open our hearts to the love and care of those around us. The love we share for Jesus emboldens us once again to see dignity in all and to be sacrificial with our time, our money, our resources, and even our power to provide for those and to lift up those who have been made powerless, especially those who are the least of these. And we can be a community and individuals that are shaped by the love of God because we are safe in his love. He did not even withhold his son to bring us into his love for all eternity. And as we come to a close, I'd love to encourage you to maybe consider this week spending time dwelling on and in the love of Christ that he has poured out on you. Maybe take some time to reflect on where you are in your response to love Jesus. And perhaps ask, ways, ask God to reveal ways in which he is calling you to love him and others more fully as we head towards Christmas and the end of the year. Let's come before him and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God who has poured out your love on us, that you did not withhold even your son in order to bring us into your love for all eternity. Lord God, no matter where we are in our journeys of loving you and serving you, Help us to have confidence in your love, first of all. Help us to be people who come to you in response to your love, as people who profess that we do love you, Lord. And may that love that you have poured out on us, the love that we respond to you, flow out to many others in our midst. May we be people who bring light and justice, goodness and grace to all that we encounter. 